different points of view and highs and lows a new perspective everywhere you go open up your mind drown out the noise and see if this connected and see if this connected What's up, fam? The mission of this connected podcast is to connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along the way. To not necessarily agree, but be listened to. These conversations, of course, highlight the perspective of our various guests, and you are always welcome to agree or even disagree. But as always, we hope that it is done in charity. Now, here's your host, Catholic.Dad. Again, thank you, Tony, for that intro. I love that young man who is always producing our podcast. We have today on this episode a person outside of our main diocese of the Diocese of San Bernardino. Actually, they are our neighbor diocese. And we have a guest from our neighbor diocese, which a very long time ago, we used to be part of this gigantic diocese. It used to be the Diocese of San Diego. And with me today is Maricruz Flores, who is the director of the Office for Young Catholics in the Diocese of San Diego. Maricruz, I didn't get your bio. I'm going to be totally <laughs> honest, and I usually am really bad at that anyway. So can you give us your bio? Can you tell us about your? Uh, can you tell us about yourself? Don't you hate That's those? always easy to do, right? It's so <laughs> easy. Like, it let me talk about myself. No. <laughs> So yes, my name is Mari Cruz. I'm the director to the Office of Youth Ministry here in San Diego. Um, a couple years ago, um, six months before the pandemic, I was a youth minister um, at Our Lady Guadalupe in an area called Barrio Logan near downtown San Diego. So I was in youth ministry for four years, paid full-time position. And before that, you know, I was a young adult. I volunteered here and there with a couple of parishes because, you know, I grew up in ministry. I've been involved since I was 16 um and so it's, i've slowly transitioned you know the teenager in confirmation youth ministry young adult i would chaperone for you know my youth minister friends who needed a chaperone i would give talks to the kids um and then a position opened up me thinking like most of us do when we start a youth ministry well this will be like a couple of years you know i'm getting my stuff in order my degree and you know the lord was like no where do you think you're going <laughs> so so, you know, it became a full-time thing. Um, I was actually really good friends with the director before. Um, so the transition was smooth and it's it's been definitely a roller coaster uh, of a ride here in youth ministry. So when, when did you start? How long have you been the director? I started July of 2019. Wow, what a challenge because what happened yeah. immediately after that was the thing pandemic. called the pandemic. Yeah, no, it was, um, I thought everything, I think it's, it's one of those things where I thought everything was set in stone. You know, we transitioned the, the previous director, myself, um, he had set a calendar and these are the dates and all, everything's taken care of. You just have to go along. And if you want to make changes, go changes. And my plan was, I'm not going to change a thing. I like your style. I like what you've done. I'm just going to, you know, continue it. And of course, you know, come March of 2020, everything just you know stopped yikes it's like it just it stopped and so because we had our youth day we have an annual youth day san diego youth day um 
for uh, a week after Easter, so that Saturday before Divine Versi Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so I was in a limbo of like, am I canceling? Am I not canceling? This is my first big event. Of course, it was canceled. At first, it was postponed, and then it was just flat out canceled um, because we hosted at the local high school. Mm-hmm. And then um, Camp Emmaus, which we'll talk about a little bit after, um, is our leadership camp that we have over the summer that was postponed so it's one of those things where these big events that were kind of defined you know how i was gonna i was gonna do in my new position as director were just the rule book went out the window and i just i had to you know kind of start from scratch and figure out how to minister during a pandemic when i have a youth minister who told me he's like there's no college course on how to do this during a pandemic right (laughs) there's nothing that can prepare you for this so so you you well, like many directors out that I've spoken to, it was everything was new. It was a tabula rasa. And so how did you go about it? I mean, did you meet with other directors and say, hey, what are you doing? What am I doing? What are we going to do? I mean, how did you manage continuing to minister to hundreds and thousands of Catholic youth, and especially in your diocese that's very active in ministry to youth and young adults? How did you manage and what is it that you guys did? Oh, I think one of the first things we did was, okay, what are, what are, what, do, what can we save and transition it into online um, without making it classroom style without, you know, cause the kids were transitioning right after that spring break. People were just getting to know zoom, which in hindsight, we should have all invested in zoom then. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it was one of the things where like, Hey, what can we do? We knew San Diego youth day was too late for us to do anything on that global aspect, considering that youth ministers, catechists, DCMs, we're trying to figure this all out. Um, but immediately it shifted into me asking directors, okay, what are you doing over the summer? Because a lot of us have camps, we have retreats that we do over the summer, Steubenville, that's another big event that we do over the summer. And so everybody kind of was like, well, I think we're going to shift to an online model. So that's immediately what we did. I had a meeting with almost all the youth ministers and DCMs here in San Diego over Zoom. It was our first big thing. And, you know, we had that conversation of like, okay, what do you need? What do I need? How can I help you? What resources do I have to offer you? And it just became this big um, hub of sharing information. Um, We had this wonderful catechist in her 70s tell us how she had devoted her time to looking up YouTube, having her grandkids teach her to do Zoom so she could focus on her catechist class, catechism class. So it was like very inspiring to have all like 70 plus of us in that Zoom meeting, listening to one another and say, okay, Camp Emmaus, we're going to do virtual. This is what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, make sure that it's um, not too much for the kids. They also have time to, you know, be off screen. We went into the whole, okay, in services for youth ministers and our parents as well to kind of guide them during the summer before, you know, school came because, we didn't know if we were going to be, you know, full-time online at the end of summer or if this was going to go away, which we, we were just getting out of it. So it was definitely a, a hub of sharing information, of making sure that we didn't lose that connection with the teens, but also not overwhelming them because we knew that at school it was going to be basically all online. Most of their extracurriculars were going to be online. So we didn't want to also um, overwhelm, overwhelm them. Yeah, I mean... We, we originally thought, well, how long can this be? You know, one, two, three months. By September, we'll be back to normal. And then September came, November came, Christmas came. 
and spring came and we're like, what's going on here? This is reality. You know, ministry is virtual. Um, did you have a, a lot of fallout, a lot of um, young people falling away and, and a decrease in, in participation because they were just so zoomed out? Oh, definitely. I mean, so we, we tried our best to get confirmations rolling during the summer. We even had confirmations late fall because of all of, you know, the, the, the postponing we had to do. And then when it came to registrations, we were trying to make it as easy as possible for the parents, for the kids. But, you know, the kids, like I said, during their school hours, it's, you know, four to five, sometimes six hours of online school. And then add another maybe two hours a week or biweekly. And so our numbers definitely decreased for registrations, for youth ministry. Um, but it was for the, the main reason was the kids are overwhelmed with staring at the screens. They're just tired. Yeah, even even when we looked at, uh, you know, every year, one of the things that young people in our diocese and, and from my parish look forward to was going to Stubby San Diego. Mm-hmm. They just would save up all year just to be able to make it to Stubby San Diego. And some of them are like, I missed it. You know, this is my this is my senior year. That means, you know, I can't go to the high school thing. Um, and then we looked at, you know, the virtual Stuby, and it wasn't the same for them. I think a lot of the times it was that physical contact with other thousands of other Catholics from everywhere. And but I'm here in my room doing virtual <laughs> ministry that I come to my church for virtual ministry. So kind of tuned out. So now that, that even what you, what you were just discussing, Camp Emmaus, what is that? I, I've, I've never heard of, of Camp Emmaus. And, and you guys sent me this whole shirt and I'm looking, it's like Emmaus, Emmaus, Road to Emmaus, Camp Emmaus. And there's this cool compass here. Um, so tell us about Camp Emmaus in, in your diocese. So Camp Emmaus um, is a leadership camp for teenagers. Every summer um, for a whole week, they're out in the hills of Julian, California, where the best apple pie is from. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not getting paid. It's not an ad. It's just my personal opinion here. (laughs) We're just going to have to go to Julian, California and get that apple pie. No, so it's this wonderful uh, campground. It's a Catholic campground. And so the kids go for a week um, at the end of June after school is done. And so they get a various um, options for workshops. We're talking communication skills. We're talking um, leadership skills, who you are as a leader. What are your qualities, your character traits? Um, how do you lead a small group? How do you give a witness talk? How do you share your story with other teens? How do you become the storyteller? And so it's a whole week of, of wonderful experience for the teens um and of course you know we shifted to virtual it was not the same thing of course the same experience with Stuby. you're you're in your room and um but we tried to make it make it as interactive as as possible and so even this year we've had to shift it to a weekend model Mm -hmm. where the kids go to the parish um in person six hours go home come back the next day and do this until sunday so we did have to shift it because you know we're still not completely out of it but um, we're very hopeful, praying to God that, you know, next year is going to be just as amazing as it was the previous years before COVID, but, you know, adding some things that we learned during COVID about our young people, you know, how do we incorporate these lessons to make sure that, you know, the future leaders that we get for our church 
are ones that are long lasting and they really know how to empathize with others and realize that, you know, if the one thing that we can take away from the pandemic is that we're truly not alone. You know, we really came about this through community, being with there for one another. And so that's a big takeaway that we want for our teen leaders. Exactly. You know, one of the things that I took away from that pandemic, and I don't know about you, but I remember Pope Benedict saying, you know, that the church, the Catholic church is going to be smaller. And, you know, for the longest time, I'm thinking, yes, there's going to be less faithful and people are going to fall away. But actually, this pandemic kind of revealed to me, it's like, actually, maybe this is what he's thinking, that the church is going to be so much more smaller because we're connecting so much virtually that we're connecting everywhere and we're meeting so many people. You know, it, it cracks me up. It's, it's, it's kind of amazing that so many of the young people that I, I, I minister to and I walk with have met so many other young Catholics from all over the world that before the pandemic, they would have never prayed with, met with, conversed with about their faith because we were so isolated within our parish, within our diocese, and now we're crossing borders, boundaries, continents to see all these people. So for me, that was one of the things that said, the church is getting smaller. I can go to mass in Croatia. I can, I can go, you know, youth can go, young adults can go to ministry in San Diego, and they're not anywhere near San Diego. And so that was what's amazing. I, I always laugh at that. And says the church is so much more smaller. You know, I, I got to go to Angola. And um, one day maybe I will be able to go to Angola. But, <laughs> but at least I saw it virtually on Zoom. But what now for you guys? What now? Well, now that we're reopening, it, it's one of these things where a few months ago we were thinking like, okay, we just got to, you know, buckle down and just ride this out till December. That was kind of our vision. December, we're going to be okay. And of course, you know, with, um, you know, the, the distancing, the mass, the vaccinations, all these factors, we're f we started to see the light at the end of the tunnel way sooner than we expected. And so now we're just in go mode, like, okay, what are we going to do for our teens? What are we going to do for the parents? What am I going to do for the youth ministers? So there's a lot of um, events that we have planned, a lot of workshops, but not um, taking out what we learned, like I said, from the pandemic. So for example, um, if I can name drop here, um, there's a youth minister, John Ronaldo out in Nevada, um, and he gave this workshop at Congress, at LA Congress about being storytellers and how even for him who's been in ministry for the longest time you know when he got that packet from the catechist like okay faith formation because we're going virtual and even he thought that was overwhelming very classroom style and so he he couldn't imagine and my opinion was the same it was like i wonder how parents who have full-time jobs outside of ministry secular jobs and now they became you know school teachers catechists they became full-time chefs you know, they're mm -hmm. cleaning their house at the same time. They're working from home. And, you know, how can we make faith formation something that's relatable to the family that does not feel like a burden, that feels like, hey, you know, this is bringing us together as a family in Christ. Wow. And so um, we're hoping to bring him down for the fall to just have that same talk with our parents, with our youth ministers, because the last thing we want is for parents to feel that catechism confirmation is a burden or just something to check off their list. 
we want it to be something long lasting for our teenagers to understand that, hey, you're not alone in this walk. God is with you. And guess what? God is with your family too. And for parents to also feel that same love of God. Um, because it, it's one of those things where, you know, like we tell our kids kind of like a back to reality that Sunday evening before they go back home, like, hey, it may be tough for you at home, but just remember we love you. But it, it really is hard when you go home to parents who just, you know, they're busy with a million things and they don't have the time to catechize their kids or fully support their kids and what they're doing. Yeah. So it's definitely something that we're, we're taking into account to make sure that our parents aren't falling through the cracks either. Just like sometimes we may miss a kid, you I, know, so that's definitely something to keep in mind. I, I love how you brought in the parents, you know, a friend of mine, you know, our, our producer, Tony, uh, does a family, um, a family approach to, to uh, religious education. Uh, and so they catechized the entire family, and I thought that was so beautiful. But this kind of like transitions to what I wanted to ask you about. Um, many a times, as you said, a lot of families bring um, their youth to church to be catechized. Um, you know, check the boxes. You know, uh, they got their they got their sacraments were done. And as we say, it's it's very transactional. Know, check the boxes. I got it complete. I'm done, and uh, even confirmation. You know, I graduated, and what happens when we graduate? We never come back. And I think that's sometimes when we see very few young adults in our parishes because they graduated. It's very transactional. So, are you guys doing anything? Um, uh, speak speak about that word, transactional versus transformational, because what you were s explaining to me, what you were just sharing is very much not a transactional approach, but very much a transformational approach, transforming young people to to be Catholic, to live Catholic. Exactly. So transformational for us, it's it's really hitting, you know, making sure we hit all our bases, you know. it's For a long time, it was just focusing on the teens, making sure that, you know, they had a place, youth ministry to go to, they had confirmation, but of course, we know that sometimes families, because there's so much on the go, you know, I hate to use this term, but they shop around for a parish. Yeah. You know, what works best for us, you know, because we have X, Y, and Z going on these days of the week. Or, you know, if it's price range, like, well, this is too expensive for us. We're looking for someplace cheaper. And they're just looking for that check box. They drop them off to the catechist. They hope the catechist, you know, gets as much information to their kids. They pick them up. They go home. The best we can hope for is that they're Sunday Catholics. Yeah. You know, and so it, it really is this transactional of, you know, this is my kid, you know, feed him the product and then give him back. And then there we go. We get our money's worth. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's nothing there that really brings the wholeness of what we're really doing, of bringing not only these teenagers to Christ, but their parents as well and welcoming them too. Because sometimes as catechists, you know, we just want to deal with the kids. We don't want to deal with the parents. So we fall into that, um, that negative space of like, well, you know what, as long as I'm with the kid, I'm okay. I don't really need to talk to the parents, but in reality, we should be catechizing to the parents too, because as you know, the kids first catechist, mm -hmm. we should be there to support them as well. Yeah. I think your, your, your product, <laughs> I hate to call it a product, but yeah, the, I know. the, the, um, the whole Emmaus, it, you know, builds up your young Catholics, um, to be transformed to future leaders in the church. Uh, I love that approach of, of building up disciples. 
um, and I think that's what a lot of these camps are doing, such as Emea, such as YCAS for our diocese in San Bernardino. It builds up leaders to be able to transform themselves, be transformed, and then transform the church from within, and then go home and build up that domestic church as well. And um, I always say if, if my parents were as on fire with, um, with the faith, or some of the parents, I mean, we'd have so many priests. <laughs> we would have so many priests and religious. But, but one of the things I wanted to ask is, we focus a lot of times when we say, you know, office of, uh, of youth ministry to just, you know, the kids up to high school. Now we look at young adults. What do you guys provide for young adults? What are you guys doing for young adults um, in your diocese? <clears throat> well, the office for young adults is a separate office. Oh. So that's another director and another associate director. So it's Patrick Herrera and Pamela Poe, and they are amazing in what they do with young adults. So during this pandemic, they were, you know, providing not only materials and resources for the young adult groups, um, but they were offering like online Bible classes wow. and liturgy of the hours. They were very much, you know, boots on the ground virtually for their young adults to make sure that as soon as we got the green light to have adoration, holy hours, you know, they were able to provide that for our young adults. And we're talking about every stretch of San Diego County up until the Arizona border, up until, you know, we hit that Temecula Riverside border and Orange County to really make sure that, you know, our young adults didn't leave in disappointment because there was nowhere for them to go out to. You know, as soon as we got the okay to be outside um, I remember one evening they had a art gallery out at a park, you know, just out in the open, the young adults came and they got to see artwork from different religious artists. Um, and they went around, you know, outside in the park, mask on, very safe. And it was very beautiful. Um, the associate director, Pamela Poe, um, if I'm not mistaken, she's an art history major. And so what she did is over uh, the course of Advent, she had art history lessons on religious artwork. So it was a course that they got together with the Diocesan Institute. So they, you know, whoever needed renewal credits could do it. And so, and I took a couple of the classes. It was a lot of fun. You know, Pam and Patrick are both young adults as well. So they made it fun. It didn't feel mm -hmm. like a classroom style. It was very much like, let's look at this art. You know, what does it mean to us? You know, how do you feel, you know, staring at this portrait? And it was very, very fun. It was very interactive. Um, and so it was one of those things where they made sure it wasn't boring. There was that spirituality to it. And there was learning about our faith at the same time without us realizing, oh, we're learning. Because we were just, you know, chatting it up. And it was just very, um, very interesting for all of us. What a great idea. We're going to steal that. I mean, borrow that idea. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great idea. Listeners, if you are listening to that and if you are not going to do that, you should be ashamed of yourself. You got to do this art thing, art exhibit in your own diocese because this is a great idea and bringing out, you know, bringing the two two things together, art and faith. Because you know, I, I love history and I love the fact that the majority of our art pieces from the Middle Ages and from the Dark Ages were from the church. The church actually had these art pieces created. Um, if you guys go to museums and you see all those art pieces, they're always about religion. Yeah, it's always Mary and and saints and Jesus. So that's yeah. beautiful. I love that idea. I'm just after this, I'm just gonna jot that down, create something, and 
and present it to Edgardo and says, we should do this. Um, so that More was... work for Edgardo. More yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, Edgardo, listen. I, I'm gotta... sorry, Edgardo. <laughs> we just throw you under the bus. Yeah, if you guys want to email Edgardo, Edgardo at Diocese, tell him, hey, we need to do this art thing. It's going to be mm-hmm. amazing. Um, we'll We've have... done it for youth ministry, too. Um, there's a couple of youth ministers who, um, you know, for grownups, we have canvas and wine. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple of youth ministers did canvas and juice. So they would have, well, for, for my friends down in, in South Bay near the border, you know, they would have either Capri Suns or Aguas Frescas. And so outside, you know, this was still during the pandemic, outside in the parking lot, the kids got a canvas, they got paint, and they were following, you know, their instructor and in, in painting, whatever it was. Um, and it was a lot of fun for the kids, you know, for high school. This is when we first got the okay and they were seeing people for the first time. Mm. And they were just, you know, learning a bit of the piece they were painting and they were, you know, being able to talk to other human beings, you know, outside of Zoom. So it does work for, for the teenagers as well. You, you know, know you have the space. Yeah, you know, it's another great idea. And, and we did this once before was sidewalk art. And you have a bunch of youth groups and churches that just this is your piece of the sidewalk. And you just create and all these uh places will come and you'll have this six by six piece of sidewalk that you will create your sidewalk art and people will just come by and observe the beautiful art pieces that that people have created and the next day or the next week it just washes away so hopefully you know you take a lot of great pictures but the thing with youth is they love getting dirty (laughs) and sidewalk art is dirty (laughs) <laughs> it is just messy, but it's beautiful. You know, faith is, is messy. So allowing them to get messy is also really beautiful. Now, I wanted to ask because you guys are a border. Um, you guys are on the border. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest issues that we have is immigration. And it's, yes. it's a sensitive issue. But is, is that what are you guys doing social justice wise for the youth? Uh, and to face this, I mean, is is there a separation? Is there a division? Is there uh, is there sensitivity regarding this? Because I know in in some parishes that is uh, a reality. So how do you face that with with teaching of the church? And since you are a border diocese, what what's what's the activities that's that's there for young people? So it, it's definitely. Some- it is a hot button topic, but at the same time, because, you know, it's the border has been there for centuries, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's definitely a reality wherever you are in San Diego, whether you're, you know, an hour away or, you know, um, near the border with Arizona, but it's definitely one of those things where we incorporate it and we try to present it pastorally to our parishes and bring them the opportunity to do something. For example, a few months ago, back, I want to say January, February, they were busing these young girls, you know, teenage girls from Texas to our facilities here in the San Diego Convention Center. And so Catholic Charities had a lot of work there. Um, They needed a lot of help and they called upon us youth ministers to see what we can do because who knows teenagers better than other teenagers. Mm -hmm. And so they were asking for anything a teenage girl might need. And the amount of donations we got in... um, journals colored pencils you know art supplies um backpacks that the girls might need and of course all their toiletries that a girl may need and we got several 
uh, youth groups around the county who pulled together their resources and they went actually down to the convention center as far as they could get to drop off the donations. And I got to tell you, um, we had a little religious sister, Sister Lulu down in Barrio, Barrio Logan. And she told us that when the teens were dropping them off, some of them got very emotional because not only did they learn about Catholic social teaching, they put it in practice by gathering the supplies, but they took it to them. They didn't see the girls directly, mm -hmm. but just dropping them off, someone there thanking them directly. I mean, that was a huge impact for them. For them to see that, you know, this is a huge need in our in our diocese to not only come together as community, help one another, but realize when there are, you know, young girls crossing the border, trying to find their families, trying to find something better, um, to really help them out because these are all kids, you know, and so just having that pastoral approach and like, this is what Jesus was about, yes. you know, Jesus was helping everybody no matter what your background was because we're all made in the image of god just as much as god loves you god loves this young girl coming over here and so um fortunately we didn't have any you know big controversial things going on here in the diocese and that's because you know when you have great youth ministers who are able to explain it pastorally to a kid and to the families it comes down to that's someone's daughter that's someone's kid mm -hmm. You know, if your kid was out lost, you'd want us to help find them, to feed them, to clothe them, just like Jesus told us to do. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. I wish that, you know, a lot of, we we should have a lot more of those, a lot more interactive approaches to actually seeing instead of sitting in, in, in your youth room and talking about it and doing skits about it, but actually taking the trips to go and immerse yourself into the reality yeah. of what is happening in the world. I, I, I totally believe that you learn a lot more in service than reading something about it and quoting something about it. So definitely encourage a lot of people, a lot of youth ministers to do service. Absolutely. Go, go to yeah, those no. places. It's one of those things where as a youth minister, you know, it was very exciting when Laudato Si came out because mm -hmm. it was an encyclical that the kids immediately got i told them what it was about we read it and they're like oh yeah like me and my abuelita have been doing this like we save all our bags we take the recycling on the weekends you know it's things that they resonated with and so uh we used to live uh we used to live the parish is by a park um by the bayfront in san diego and it's about probably a mile so we would walk and on our walk to this park we would clean you know the sidewalk the streets and in conversation, the leaders and I would tell them about Laudato Si, like what Pope Francis' message was. So by the time we got to the park, they were like, oh, that's true. Like, this is our home. God created this for us and for us to take care of. And so it made the cleaning process and the community service much easier because the kids got why they were doing it. That's right. It wasn't, you need 20 hours to get confirmed. It wasn't, you need, you know, this, you know, so we can give you your hours for college or whatever. It was, no, this is a gift from God. I should be taking care of it. That's right. You know, it's, I always tease because Laudato Si came out and they said, we, we should really practice this. And I said, you know what? I'm Filipino. I was raised by a Filipino mom. I mean, she knew Laudato Si. So when you ask her for Tupperware, she'll give you like a, a plastic container of Cool Whip or whatever, butter. And you'll go to lunch it, and your lunch would be in a Cool Whip container. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and mom used to wash all of the disposable forks. It's like, yeah, you keep washing those until they're they are actually disposable. So. Yeah. No, it's the same thing in Mexico.
household. I mean, my mom, I still have this, I still do this, you know, I don't live with my parents anymore, but I still have my little stack of forks that I wash because, you know, if my mom saw me throw this out, chancla. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the plastic bags, you, you'd always wonder, it's like, why do we have so many plastic bags, mom? It's like, we need to throw some of these away. It's like, you don't throw that stuff away. You'll never know when you, when you know, and she'll always pull mm-hmm. one out of her purse and be so embarrassed. But, but hey, you know what? Recycling and Laudato Si and taking care of, uh, of creation, people who come from countries that are quote unquote third world really know how to utilize the things because of the need. And I, I believe somewhere here in the United States where we're such a dip- disposable society, we need to learn a little bit more about that. Um, I had a friend from Austria who said that in their country, their trash receptacle is the size of our bathroom trash can. That's it. Everything else has to go to either be biodegradable products and they just they just don't have much trash trash and here we are in this country getting bigger and bigger i mean we have a green bin a blue bin a black bin and they're gigantic and we're just throwing things away so definitely we need to practice what we preach so mary cruz yes tell us more about what you guys are doing in your diocese so we, we, we're going to just drive, drive down two hours, and we're just going to go. So what are some of the great things that you guys are going to be doing? Well, come on down. Well, I'll start with <laughs> – I'll definitely start with, you know, with the fall because that's what we're most excited for, like, fully, like, reopening, coming back. Um, like I said, we're having an in-service with John Ronaldo talking about how to be a storyteller, how to really share your witness with other people, with parents, with kids. That's coming down in September. I don't have a date for you just yet, but um, we have that ready to go. In October, I'm very excited because we're doing this quinceañera formation class workshop with parents, catechists, um, because, you know, before the pandemic, yes, the quinceañeras were happening. They were coming to maybe a class or two, maybe a whole thing, you know, depending on the parish. And then they would have their quinceañera mass, and then we were lucky if we saw them for confirmation. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, later on in life. And so that was a whole thing where we want to use quinceañera as an opportunity to catechize not only the young ladies, but their parents. um, And really show them what their faith is like. How it incorporates into this quinceañera tradition. Because it's not a sacrament. You know, we try to tell the parents and the kids, like, it's not a sacrament. You don't have to do this. But because of society and their traditions, Mm -hmm. they want to do it. It's like, okay, if you want to do it. But. We want to make sure that, like we said before, that you do something and you know the meaning of why you're doing this. It's not just a one-day thing, a party, and that's it. You know, we want to make sure that this really sticks with you until you have a daughter. and She turns 15 and you can tell her, when I had my continued mass, I took the flowers to the Virgin Mary, and I learned about Christ, and I learned about my faith. So how do we keep that going? So we're very excited for that in October. Um and then coming in December, this is an idea I stole from the Diocese of San Bernardino. So, oh. Edgardo, I owe you one. <laughs> um, we're having a liturgical training for our youth, oh. a diocesan wide one, because we know in our parishes, you know, we bring the kids and we tell them about being altar servers. And if yeah. they're old enough, they have their confirmation, lectors, uh, uh, extraordinary Eucharistic ministers. 
So we want to do something on a diocesan level because, you know, it's been 15 months of the pandemic. And so for December, what we're doing is we're taking the kids up to a retreat, that retreat um, center up in Julian. And we're having a whole weekend of just liturgical training with the kids, but incorporating that retreat element. Super because cool. like I said, it's, we really have to make our foundation really strong in what our Catholic faith is, what our traditions are, why we do things. And so we also want to make sure that the kids are in an environment where, you know, they're not getting distracted, their parishes, it's not just a one hour thing, but something where they're fully formed. So we want to start with, you know, a teaching mass, just like San Bernardino did. You guys did a wonderful yeah. job live streaming the mass. The pastor was great in explaining everything. And then, you know, you went to the next day with the workshops. And so we want to kind of have that model. And because we'll be able to reopen, um, we want to do that in person where the kids are at the teaching mass they're learning you know the parts of the mass why it's important and then we go into the workshops well what are your interests are you musically talented do you want to do music you know during mass or do you want to be an altar server and if you're confirmed you know if you have no public speaking you know phobia you can go up and you know read and so we really want to incorporate this retreat and liturgical training for our young people um i i brought this up to bishop mackerel he loved it you know, so did Bishop Dolan, Bishop Bejarano. And it was just one of the things where Bishop McElroy told me, he's like, this is a good way of incorporating our families back into the mass on mm -hmm. Sunday, you know, because their kids are, you know, they want to participate. Yeah. And that's our hope that parents see how inspired their kids are that, you know, they'll start coming back to Sunday mass. I, I love how you said that incorporating it into the mass and, you know, not like this is the youth mass and you guys do it here and it's all a bunch of young people and everyone who's doing everything is young person. But what you're doing is you're incorporating that there is a young person who's reading. The mass is the mass and they're with everyone and older adults are seeing, wow, that person's so young and they read so well and they're, they're, they're proclaiming the word so well. That's how I believe we incorporate the entire church and including them so it's not exclusively young people here older seasoned people here I, I put myself there uh, but it's the church it's our church that's beautiful i love that so maricruz <coughs> here's how we go backwards because we started in and you gave <laughs> yourself eh, this is my bio but now this is how people are gonna get to know a little bit about you all right so i was gonna do 20 questions but i'd probably embarrass you but <laughs> I was going to ask, like, like the, the question I was going to ask Bishop if he actually went on the podcast was when was his first kiss. But now I know <laughs> he's probably never going to go on because I, I will ask that to the bishop. So I'll ask that for any bishop. But anyways, here's the thing. I wanted to ask you, how many siblings do you have? I have two siblings. Are you the oldest? I am the oldest. Wow. You're like. You're like secondary in command of chunklas. Like, that was. <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna write it down. That yeah, was like. Have, that was I like. Have... Yeah, that was like my mom. You know, if if she wasn't home and my oldest sister was home, she got the chunkla, and you know, she got rights to to take that out on you if you're not behaving. <laughs> uh, my next question to you is, you know, what is one thing you wish you had known before you became on fire? That's that I didn't need to be perfect. Oh, that's such a good one. That I did not have to be perfect. Isn't that... That God loves me just with my flaws and everything. Isn't that the biggest struggle for most young Catholics? 
Absolutely, yeah. I, I get that so many times. It's it's like that question. It's like how could how could who would ever be able to love a person so broken like me? And you know what? Me being a prankster, the the answer that always comes to my mind is Beezus? Jesus, you know that from that movie. Yeah. I'm stupid that way. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. Even youth ministers that you don't have to be perfect. That you don't have to do that whole amazing event every single time because you'll burn out. Yeah. It's kind of like you learn that from from having that mistake. So you Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's beautiful. I'm going to write that down. You don't have to be perfect. Okay. Next thing. What is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Oof, my biggest failure. Hmm, which one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I want to say, and, and this is talking about ministry. I think my biggest failure was exactly what we were just talking about. I remember one of my first couple of youth nights, I had everything planned out to the T. And it was just one of those things where everything went wrong. Kids were just arguing with each other because, you know, the game went wrong. They thought it was unfair. You know, the snacks weren't all there either. I guess I didn't get enough. The parents were like, why the heck is my kid, like, mad? And so that was my first youth night. My One of my first youth nights of just utter chaos. And I had thought because it looked good on paper, it was going to transfer over in person just perfectly fine. Like, I remember this kid telling me, I am never coming back to youth group. And so I just felt like, what the heck? Like, I've seen this play out in other parishes. Like, we played, we were, I had, like, shaving cream, and we were going to play tag, and we were going to do this, and it was just, it was chaos. Like, I'm thankful that we did this outside so the, the shaving cream didn't get on the walls or anything. <laughs> I've Nothing, you know, a good hose down would have worked out. Um, but I tell you, my biggest lesson on humility was that day. Because I reached out to that kid, and I said, you know what? I am so sorry. I'm so sorry, you know, this didn't go out, you know, the way it was planned. I'm sorry your feelings got hurt. You are completely and totally valid in what you're feeling and what you're saying. I am so sorry. Um, me not expecting much out of this situation. I'm like, you know, if he's going to leave, he's going to leave. He's a teenage boy. It's just, and I kid you not, he turned around, he looked at me, he's like, thank you. He's like, no one's really ever apologized to me. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm a human being. And so the whole thing, you know, you don't have to be perfect, you know. It's that you're going to have humbling moments of like, you know, something is going to go totally not the way you planned and you just have to buckle down and say, you know what, God, I am humbled. And, you know, I was wrong. Hmm. That's beautiful. You know, that's the, some of the hardest things to do is to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And the second hardest thing to do. And some for some of us, the first hardest thing to do is to forgive yourself. For making that mistake learned that from father brendan who every time i would beat myself he would go and um in his homily say you know the hardest thing to do is to forgive yourself mm -hmm. so when you yeah. make that mistake you know forgive yourself apologize make amends for it atone for it like you did and then move on don't beat yourself up over it so being a good director being a good youth minister People always ask this question, what are the best resources that helped you along the way? 
The best resources. Oof, that's a lot. And I, and I say this because, you know, I'm counting the people as well as resources. Because, <laughs> I mean, some of my volunteers were just amazing, like walking in encyclopedias. You know, just by listening to, to their stories, especially some of the religious sisters, the priests. Um, I know a big one, and maybe I'm biased because my first parish I worked at was a Jesuit parish. But Loyola Press, mm-hmm. you know, that Ignatian spirituality component meditating and praying and incorporating nature and really you know closing your eyes and thinking okay god is with me jesus is walking with me what would i say to him what would he say to me you know that was really big for for us especially for the teenagers because they were like wait so i can like you know really kind of sit in under a tree and pray and i'm like yeah you can (laughs) you can pray anywhere you don't just have to pray at a church it can be outside in the elements you know we live in San Diego, go to the beach, oh. go pray a rosary at the beach. And we did that a couple of times, you know, we, we, we did Bible studies out on the beach. We prayed out on the beach. Lucky. Um, and it was beautiful. I'll invite you whenever you want to go down, we'll go down and have a, uh, uh, a bonfire out there with s'mores and a rosary. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We'll, we'll invite you to meet some cactus. Hey, that's, I'm all for it. You know, the <laughs> desert is also what, a desert is a wonderful place to pray because you're really out there in the solitude and the cactus are all prickly, but they're beautiful too. And the wonderful sunsets you have out yeah. in the desert. It's, a- actually, it is um, at yeah. night when it's so quiet, there's, there's nothing better to reflect on than the silence in the desert because yeah. there's literally no noise and it's dark and you can see all the stars. And on a good day, you could still see like just a glimmer of light in the mm-hmm. distance. And it's like, wow, this is what it means to be alone with, with the Lord. Yeah. And uh, yeah, really great thing. Um, that's why I, I, I'm transitioning to this is a lot easier doing it with young adults than high school youth because the, the permission stuff just kills you for that. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't but it's that. there for their safety. It's there for their safety. Yeah, you cannot <laughs> breach that. So here's, uh, you know, I, I also want to want to say I love the fact that that you said best resources are people. Yeah. I think a lot of youth ministers, a lot of uh, new ministers look at that. So what's the great resource? And they're looking at programs. They're looking at programs. And I'm glad you said that because the best resources I've ever had were old youth ministers. Yeah, old youth ministers and youth ministers who've done it in the past and says, what worked for you? What didn't work for you? And can I write that down? And great ministers just give you all their stuff. And, and it's like, you know, if you look in my in, in this little podcast room, it's a bunch of VCR tapes and cassette tapes because a former youth minister says, you know, she's 80 years old and says, I don't know what to do with this. And and so I accepted it. Now I don't know what to do with it because I don't have a VCR mm-hmm. and I don't have a cassette recorder player and so how do i even listen to all of these but she has just a wealth of information what worked what didn't work um and young people are still that same way just yeah the same issues that they were going through 30 years ago or same issues they're going through today just a little bit more uh intense i would say so another question probably one of my last questions who are the three people who have been the most influential to you Oof. Okay. 
so one of them I would have to say and I'm gonna do a quick see if I can show a picture of him but so this is Father Brown and he passed away last year during the pandemic um, natural causes and so here in San Diego he was very well known during the 60s and 70s the 80s um, for his Catholic youth organization the CYO oh yeah like, that was like a huge thing with father brown he would have dances in the hall he would have like big artists from like mexico come and do concerts and um and so there's a youth minister he's already retired he's i want to say late 60s early 70s and he still remembers like going to those dances meeting father brown and, you know, he would tell us about them. And I actually got the opportunity to work with Father Brown the last few years he was here in San Diego before he went to the retirement home in San Jose. And he would just tell me, like, all these things that he would do for the kids, um, you know, just sitting there after mass, talking with them. If they needed help finding a job, Father Brown was a person you would go to because he knew everybody in the neighborhood. And so he was there long, especially during the Chicano movement when they were building the Coronado Bridge to the mm -hmm. island. You know, he's a big reason why we have a park there instead of, you know, they want to change to a police station. You know, he was there to making sure that the homes that were being, you know, destroyed to build the freeway, that the people were okay. And then if they were displaced, that their voice was heard. Mm -hmm. So he was just a priest, you know, fully on fire, all about his, you know, the young people, making sure they're okay, that the people's voices were heard. Um, and just really, uh, my complete and admiration for him and how, he really, every time he saw me, he's like, wait, let's pray together. And he would like, you know, whatever I was doing, he's like, I'm going to say a prayer first. And I would sit there and he would pray. And then he would have like little things to like give the kids, you know, he would always have like a toy or something to give away. So it was, you know, even, you know, the kindergartners still remembered him because Father Brown always had lollipops to give them. Mm -hmm. And he had a saint of the day to talk to them about. So it was just that complete and like full of love that he had for ministry that he had for young people and he was always giving everything away you know every of himself resources so he was just this amazing lovable person um and you know just to end on on my one person here when we had his memorial service you know because of covid we could only have a mass we had a procession of low riders <laughs> he was el padrecito del barrio and every year we have you know a low rider uh convention down you know in barrio logan and the priest he would go and bless the low riders and he would be the homies and the homies would like incline their heads get a blessing and then father brown was there you know in his fedora blessing all the low riders wow so it was just no it, it's amazing <laughs> father brown all of the things he did and so he's truly missed but he lived up to 93 i think 92 wow. 93 years of age so Many years of blessing other people. Yeah. And then, and he was in San Diego the whole time since his ordination until, you know, he was, you know, retired. So super cool. Yeah. The next person I would say is another priest, uh, Father Emmett Farrell, who is still the priest. He is in charge of our creation care team. He was actually the one who plugged me out of my confirmation class and said, Hey, you would be a good leader for youth ministry. And I'm like, What? I'm just here to like get confirmed and get out. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And so I still see him around the pastoral center. He's, he, you know, he knows all my family. He says hi, checks in on me to see how I'm doing. And he's another one that, you know, without him recognizing that there was something in me ready to, you know, give up to the Lord, I don't know where I'd be. 
Exactly. You know, but he was the one who was like, you know what, you'd be good for youth ministry. And me being 16, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so glad you said yes. Absolutely. It was one of those things where I probably said it reluctantly, like, okay, fine, this is probably going to look good on a college application. But <laughs> I think we all do that. I think we yeah. all say, okay, I guess. Yeah, no, and it's 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 one of those things where I'm telling you it was, I was probably relenting, you know, like a good sixteen year old would say. But uh, you know, over the course of time, I kind of realized, like, oh, I like helping people. I like being with people, and you know, and like I said, I didn't all my, I don't, I still don't know all my stuff. But it's you know, it's definitely you know, learning with other people, exactly. teaching and learning from other people as well. And oh. then the last one, oof, this is gonna be a tie. <laughs> It's definitely going to be a tie between, you know, my immediate family, like my siblings, my parents, and my best friend, because she's also a youth minister here. Um, and so, and I say this because, I mean, you've met my brother Zeke before. He was yeah. a youth minister, too, and so my best friend was my youth minister, too. Um, but what we don't share so often is that we all came out of the, the same youth group when we were in high school. And there's another person as well who became a youth minister out of this, like, youth group that started in my parish and we're wow. still at it all four of us by the way shout out to zeke he's my favorite san diegan yeah lights out zeke yeah, that's right <laughs> so, yeah he's, he's gonna be my favorite until he shaves that beard then we're gonna have to find another favorite person oh, from okay san <laughs> no pressure well, i don't know how he feels about his beard but I love no. it. I, I love that guy. It's like, um, you know, I, I love the fact that when, when, you know, when men are on fire with their faith and young men really, really um, are attracted to that. And, and one of the things is, is there, there's a beauty in seeing the, the beauty of the faith that women express. But I believe there's not enough Josephs that are standing up in the faith for our young men to look at and say, wow, I want to be like Zeke. I want to be like that guy. You know, yeah. I, I want to worship like him. Um, I, I want to love the Lord like him. And that's not to say that, that, that these men are perfect, but the wonderful thing I believe that men who do that are they're showing that I am imperfect, but I'm striving to be perfected in the Lord. And that's what's beautiful, and that's what I see in him. Man, I'm all gushing over Zeke, and I haven't even actually <laughs> seen him in person. So it's going to be awkward. Oh, I know. He's really itching to go up there. Yeah, it's going to be awkward when we meet each other. It's kind of like, oh, <laughs> just kidding. I don't think so. No, I can see you guys running into like a big bear hug. Yeah. <laughs> so last question, last question. Where can our listeners connect with you online or in person? Um, uh, how can they connect with you? Well, they can connect with me. I'm I'm a big Instagram user. <laughs> so they can they can connect with us. Our our Instagram is at O Y M S D. Um for Pastoral Juvenil, it's at P J H San Diego. That's another way where they can reach out to me. Um, you know, for those who are, you know, 18 and over, you know, young adults, if they want to reach out to me, my personal Instagram is at Mari Maricruz. They can reach out to me there if they have any questions, they need someone to talk to. Um, but like I said, it's it's definitely a way to reach out to me. I'm, I'm not too big on the TikTok yet, you know. 
<laughs> or you know or, or the snapchat i'm not i'm not there yet i'm 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 one of those middle-aged millennials <laughs> yeah i'm like <laughs> not you know it's like yeah i can only focus on one thing at a time and uh yeah Instagram. I'm the same way. The I mean, same. if you could give me my space back, I'd be very happy. But. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we're gonna be in trouble with that. I know. We're Song aging. choice of the day. <laughs> People actually still save that. It's like I still have images of MySpace. Young people go, what? What? What space? Yeah. The kids don't know the struggles of like downloading your friends page with a million of those glitterly glittery gifts, and then waiting forever. Or but then the song blasting and scaring you because you you weren't ready for the full volume of their song choice. Exactly. MySpace was a trip. <laughs> so, Monte Cruz, do you have any parting words for us? You don't have to be perfect. Exactly. I love. You that. don't have to be perfect. That is actually what we are going to title this episode. Episode, You Don't Have to Be Perfect. Wow. I love that. That's going to be my quote for the week. You don't have to be perfect. It's a good reminder. Even for me, it's, it's a very good reminder because sometimes, you know, it's very, fall, it's very easy to fall back into that. Everything has to be perfect. You know, I have a million to-do lists and I have to hit every single thing. And, you know, God still loves us, <laughs> whether we finish that to-do list or not. It's a practice on humility. Yeah. Wow. I'm so glad you came on. <laughs> I'm so glad you invited me. I know this is a long time coming, so I'm very glad I got to join in. Right? I was like, she is never going to come on. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I am so sorry, you know, for, for you guys who are waiting for this podcast. We were, like, scheduled last week, and I'm like, Wait. I have something scheduled last week <laughs> and you're so patient with me and and I'm going to take you up that you don't have to be perfect so I don't have to be perfect so exactly yeah. so this is going to be beautiful the church is perfect with a whole lot of imperfect people because the Lord is perfect so thank you again for coming on the show um, fam the mission that we have is completed for this day because Mari Cruz came on and she gave <laughs> us the word for the week, you don't have to be perfect. So that's all we have for you, fam, for this episode of This Connected. As usual, we pray this connected. If it did not, it's Monte Cruz's fault. Actually, I am so sorry. That's <laughs> not true. Um, if you want to send us a comment, email us at catholic.dad50 at gmail.com or DM us on our Instagram because that's what we use at catholic.dad please subscribe to the podcast on many of the podcast platforms out there you can also check us out on youtube i don't know how to do that subscribe ring that bell whatever tony knows how to do that give us a review it helps with the algorithms and yes don't forget to support the podcast you can support us on our patreon it's on our about on our bio all that extra stuff but all that money that you guys provide in our patreon support we actually send 100% of it to support other youth and youth groups that are needing assistance. So be kind in becoming a patron. Also, what we always say at the end, remember, live a life of holiness. We'll be praying for you. Please pray for us. And most importantly, be blessed and be faithful. Good night, folks. Or good morning. Or good afternoon. Thank you.
Different points of view and highs and lows A new perspective everywhere you go Open up your mind and drown with the noise Different generations of the girls and boys So sit back and relax, this cat the podcast Don't overreact if the thoughts are abstract When it's hosted by Catholic Dog Dad Who knows what's gonna happen Hey, what's up fam? Different points of view and highs and lows A new perspective everywhere you go Open up your mind and drown with the noise and see if disconnected. What's up, fam? To connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along. Spec runaway thoughts like a runaway train break into conversation like links of a chain. Make a Hail Mary pass, hope disconnects. Have a question for a guest, put it to rest. Live a life of holiness, lead by example. Follow at Catholic.dead and many tangled. <laughs> Christ leads our way, he's the good shepherd. Pray for one another, be blessed, and be there. Different points of view, and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise. And see if disconnected. This Connected Podcast is brought to you by The Cabin. Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest, but not too far away from home or the city? Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin, located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out The Cabin on Instagram at thecabin2021. Again, that's at thecabin2021, T-H-E-C-A-B-I-N 2021.